Hello, friends. Welcome to Read em and Weep. And me, your host, Sammy. Been a little inconsistent with the recording schedule lately. My sincere apologies to you guys, the loyal listeners of this show. I promise to be better in the future. You know, life's just been uh, been been hectic lately, as life gets. But we're here today, and we're back, and I have an episode today that's a little bit themed. It's all about making river calls. So on this episode, I'm going to do a couple of hands, a couple where I make some bad river calls, uh, where I make good river calls, and, and kind of the thought process that goes into those calls. So hopefully it's valuable to you. Hopefully you like it. Let's get into the hands. All right, let's start off with hand one. We're playing 1020 at this uh, private game that I play out regularly, and I have ace-king offsuit in the cutoff. It folds around to me, and I open to 75. I've talked a little bit about how I like to raise larger from later positions, smaller from earlier positions. Here I go almost 4x. I make it 75 at 1020, and only the $20 big blind calls. He is a no-no MC, like knit city population, this guy. He defends, and we get a really nice flop. We get the king 7-3 with two spades, and I have ace-king with the ace of spades. So king 7-3, two spades, top two cards are spades, and I have ace-king with the ace of spades. Pretty powerful. Top pair, top kicker, and I block all net flush draws. He checks, and on this kind of board, I'm going to be c-betting pretty much my entire range, and so I'm going to bet small, especially on a pretty dry board. So I bet 60 into 150, about 40% pot, and he makes the check call. So that's pretty good news for me because I just have a motherfucker of a hand and the turn makes it even better. It's an offsuit ace. So I have ace king with the ace of spades. It flopped king seven, three with the top two card spades. And then I make an ace on the turn making top two pair. So I am just crushing this board. He checks, and normally I would bet very large in this spot because that's what my range wants to do. I want to start polarizing both with my big hands like aces, kings, ace, king, etc. And then I also want to do it with my bluffs, hands maybe like queen, jack, jack, 10. I want to use his bluffs, uh, maybe some bottom pair, right? It's king, seven, three on the flop with two spades. Say I had something like three, four spades. I would definitely want to make a big bet here to put his king X in a lot of trouble as well. So, so like I said, I usually want to bet big here, but against this particular player, I'm not going to do it. Against this player, I'm going to make an exploitative small sizing because he's the type, he's, he's a fucking nit. So he is going to fold a lot of hands. And so I'm going to try to exploit him by betting small and keeping him in the hand. Because he's just the type that's going to fold pretty much all of his low value hands to a big bet. And I want to keep him in. So he checks and I bet 125, a little less than half pot. 125 into into 270. And now he surprises by check raising to 300. And I have top two pairs, so I'm definitely going to call. But honestly, this sets off alarm bells. Because like I said, this guy's a known nit. He's a known OMC. And when a known OMC check raises you on the turn, you better know that they probably have something good. Like it's almost never a semi bluff, particularly because I hold the ace of spades. He's not taking like ace X of spades and turning it into a semi bluff check raise or anything. So again, here on the turn, it's king seven, three with two spades and then an offsuit ace. And I start thinking about the hands that could beat me. Certainly that's pocket sevens and pocket threes. 
sure it's possible that he like made the big trap with pocket aces or pocket kings, but there's only one combo left of each of those. And, you know, he didn't three bet preflop. So he'd really have to be laying a sick trap and it would just be like cooler city. So really I'm scared of pocket sevens and pocket threes. Now there are some hands that he could be overvaluing, right? He could be overvaluing hands like ace seven or ace three. I wouldn't even say overvaluing them, but like value owning himself. He could have two pair himself, but he would never be doing this with one pair. He doesn't have like ace jack, for example, something like that. So I'm going to tread cautiously. I'm not just going to like fucking get all my chips in like, woohoo. Uh, and, and then, yeah, it's possible that he turned a combo draw you know, king seven, three with two spades and then an ace, maybe as queen jack or jack tennis spades, something like that. That's that's possible. Not probable, but possible. Like it's not really in his nature, but you know, never discount anything fully. So I make the call of his check race for 300 and the river pairs the bottom card. It pairs the three. So king seven, three with two spades on the flop. I bet he calls. The turn comes an ace making me top two pair because I got ace king. I bet any check raises and I call. Now the river pairs the three and he leads for 475 into 870. And this three is actually, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a neutral card. It really decreases the, the chances that he's got pocket threes because now there's only one combo of that. He just made quads, but also it improves a hand like ace three. And, and now that beats me. Now, does this OMC call ace three to my C bet on the flop? I mean, it's possible because my flop bet was pretty small. So so maybe it's possible. But now it's time to do a little combo counting. I'm kind of discounting pocket aces and pocket kings. There's one combo each of those. It's tough to even give them one combo just because like you'd expect them to three bet those almost all the time. He's got three combos of pocket sevens that beat me. One combo of pocket threes. And then he's got two combos of ace-seven suited, right? I, I think he probably folds ace-seven offsuit preflop. So it's like four value combos versus two value combos that I beat. And the pot's laying me about two to one. Uh, there's a couple combos of ace-three. We'll give him one of those because, like, I have some doubts that he'd play the hand this way. But, you know, my monkey brain just says, oh, okay, you know, I got ace-king. I got top two pair I call. And of course, he turns over pocket sevens and I lose. Now, was this a good river call? I don't necessarily think it was awful, but man, when a known OMC check raises you and then puts in a strong bet on the river too, man, you kind of got to like reevaluate. And I think it's pretty easy to say, oh yeah, this is like a cooler and you know, this and that. But honestly, it's a little fire me into the sun-ish. Because part of the reason I called is because he can have two pair a seven. But when the three pairs on the river and, you know, this guy still loses to ace king, he still loses to pocket kings, like hands like that. I don't even know that he's betting it. I mean, you have to understand this guy's just such a fucking nit. I think he might not even bet that hand. I might I think he might just use it as a bluff catcher. So when he like check raises turn and then like bombs river, dude, he's got it. And I know it like probably takes some superhuman strength to to fold top two pair, but against a certain player type, sometimes it's right. I think here it probably was. And uh, 
and I paid this guy off. And let me tell you, friends, there is nothing that makes me feel like a bigger asshole than paying off a big bet from a nit. I did it here. Fire me to the sun. I mean, for fuck's sakes, what am I doing? Uh, So that one hurts. Obviously a little bit of a cooler, but I think I could have wriggled myself out of it if I was playing real good. Uh, Unfortunately, I was not and uh, paid that man his money. So the moral of the story, my friends, is when uh, a known nit check raises you on the turn and then puts a big bet in to follow it up on the river, you are probably beat and should do a lot of fucking folding. I didn't hear. So say lovey. Let's move on to hand two. All right, hand two, playing 1-3 at Stones Gambling Hall. I've talked about the uh, 1-3 at Stones a little bit before, but it's a 1-3 and it's a match stack, so it plays pretty deep, especially when you're straddling. It plays more like a 2-5. That's what's happening here. We're playing 1-3-6, and I am in the $6 straddle. It folds around to the button, and the button is kind of a tight, aggressive regular. I've been playing with him for a couple hours. He's kind of just playing really solid, you know, tight, aggressive, you know, the type. So he opens to 20 from the button, the blinds get out of the way, and I defend my straddle with Jack 10 offsuit with the 10 of diamonds. The flop comes queen 10, three with the top and bottom card diamonds. I have Jack 10 with the 10 of diamonds. So I flop pretty good. I flop middle pair, a backdoor flush draw, backdoor straight draw. I check He bets 30 into 45, which is a little bit on the large side, two-thirds pot. And I decide to obviously call. I have middle pair. The turn comes in eight, an offsuit eight, giving me a gutter. So queen 10, three, I have jack 10, and then an eight comes. So it gives me a gutter to a nine. I check again, and now he does something very interesting. He overbets. He bets 125 into 105. And I think here I can certainly give up, but you know, the reality is, is this guy's opening pretty wide from the button, even a tight aggressive, especially a reg is going to be opening pretty wide and knowing that, you know, I'm going to have a whole lot less queen X than him. So I anticipate that he will have some flush draws hands like, I don't know, ace four of diamonds, ace deuce of diamonds, ace five of diamonds, hands like that. He'll also have some ace king that has removal to the best hands and also has a gutter and a couple of overs. So he will have some bluffs here. And I do have outs against plenty of his hands as well. And I just think, you know what? Fuck this guy. Like, I'm not going to let him just over bet me off second pair. So I make the call. The turn comes a pretty bad card. It's an offsuit king, leaving me with third pair. So I have jack 10. The flop came queen 10-3, giving me middle pair. An eight came on the turn, he overbet and I called, and then the river comes a king. I check to him and there's about 355 in the pot, and now he makes a massive bet. Second overbet, he bets 450 in the 355. And obviously now, this is a very polarizing bet. He's saying either I have a monster hand or I have air. And so what monster hands can he have? Obviously, he can have a hand like king-queen just made top two pair. That would make sense the way he's been betting it the whole way. Uh, And then he could have also made a straight. He could have ace jack for the nut Broadway straight. 
and he barreled on queen 10 three and then in eight came and he actually picked up the same gutter that I did. So he had a double gutter and then on the river, he actually made it. He could also have Jack nine. He could have turned a straight and then he could also have some sets like pocket threes, pocket Queens, or even pocket tens, even though I have a 10. So he's got one combo of those. So there are definitely some strong hands that he can have here. That said, if he just had a hand like ace king or a hand like king jack that made top pair on the river, I don't think he'd be taking an overbet sizing. Those are very kind of like better than average hands, but not hands you'd want to like make massive polarized bets with on the river. And then I keep thinking that he can still have a lot of these missed flush draws. Like maybe the guy literally just has like five, six suited, five, six of diamonds. Or again, like ace four of diamonds, ace five of diamonds, ace deuce of diamonds that knows that his only chance is to win it. And he knows I'm pretty capped because I haven't check raised the whole way. And he's got a blocker to the nut straight if he had a hand like that. You know, he's got an ace in his hand if something like that happened. And I just keep thinking, man, this guy's like pretty wide from the button. You know, it's tough to give somebody on the button credit for a big hand, like a set or, or a straight or something like that, especially when I have a jack in my hand and I block the straights. So I actually think of potentially turning my hand into a bluff check raise all in. You know, we have like 1500 behind, uh, but I decide in the end, I'm actually going to bluff catch this guy. I don't want to like run into the stone nuts uh, with a bluff raise. And I think the the polarized value that he has is not going to fold. So I think I actually just have a bluff catcher and I do decide to make the hero call on this guy's ass. And he shows me Jack nine suited for the turn straight Jack nine of clubs. So he has a straight and he took me to fucking value town, dropped me off with my pants around my ankles naked and broke. My friends, this was an egregious call by me. Like, this is so, 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 so bad. There's a time and a place for a hero call, but this wasn't it. And I think one of the breaks in my logic here, one of the things that doesn't really add up is I'm talking about how I block a lot of the straights because I have a jack in my hand and he can be so wide from the button. But the thing that I kind of missed in my analysis in the moment is that because he's so wide from the button, he has a lot more jacks than he otherwise would, right? He's going to be opening so many offsuit varieties of jacks. He'll open jack nine offsuit, for example. So sometimes players will only play certain suited versions of certain hands, and you can kind of narrow them down so your blockers are really relevant. In this case, it's not as relevant because he's going to have so many offsuit jacks in his hand. And, and frankly, you know, people are freaking allowed to like wake up with a real hand on the button. Obviously, this was just a shit-ass call on the river. I literally paid this guy almost 600 bucks over the course of this hand with third pair and no kicker. I mean, I am something of a fucking idiot myself, dot meme. It's really bad, really bad. Like, there's a time and a place to hero call. This was not it, guys. This was not it. This was a really, really bad hand. Literally have Elon Musk design an intergalactic catapult to put me in and fire me into the sun. I mean, unbelievable. This was really, really, really bad. You guys, I'm very disappointed in myself for this one. You know, my kids are going to have to go to community college because daddy paid off a 133% pot bet on the river with third pair. 
I mean, geez, that's going to be a tough one to explain. All right, that's hand two. I'm going to throw a bonus hand at you and get out of here. Stay tuned for that. All right, throw me a freaking bonus hand here. We're back to the private game. We're playing 1020. I am under the gun with ace three of clubs, and I open to 50. Again, this is an example of me using a smaller open sizing from early position. Under the gun with ace three of clubs, I open to 50. I get three callers behind me, and then the straddle calls as well. The straddle's a pretty good, tight, aggressive player, but he can make moves. And we go five ways to a flop of ace seven two with two spades ace seven two two spades i've ace three so i flop top pair with no kicker the straddle checks and i decide to check and i think this is a really good check here you want to have some checks and top pair with your bad kickers tend to make really natural ones because you want to have some top pairs in your checking range and the other part is it's a five-way freaking pot like you don't necessarily want to get involved with top pair and no kicker in a multi-way spot. So I think this is a really natural check and I do check and the three players behind me check as well. So that's really good because it vastly decreases the chances that somebody's got an ace in their hand. Otherwise, most of the time they would bet themselves. The turn comes in offsuit four, giving me a gutter straight draw. So ace seven, two with two spades and then an offsuit four, I have ace three. So I have a gutter to a five, still have top pair. And now the straddle, the good, smart, solid player who's capable of making moves, he bets 200 into 250. And I think this is a hand that can definitely be folded, but because of the action on the flop, because the three players behind me all checked, I think it's very unlikely any of them have any sort of good hand. I decide to make the call, and they do indeed all fold. So you want to be really tight when you call with players behind you, but I had good reason to believe that nobody had a really strong hand, especially because there is two spades on the flop. So if somebody had like two pair or a set, something like that, they'd almost always bet that too. It wouldn't be a great spot for them to slow play. So I call the 200, everybody else folds, and I go heads up with the straddle to the river, which is an offsuit eight. So ace, seven, two with two spades on the flop an offsuit four on the turn, and an offsuit eight on the river, I have ace three. So I'm left with top pair and no kicker. And now the straddle thinks for a little bit, and he makes a solid two-thirds pot bet of 425 into 650. Now, I think there's zero chance that he is value-owning himself. There's no way that he's betting a worse hand for value, right? He's not betting anything less than top pair. And if he has top pair, he's got a way better kicker than I have. So I can only beat bluffs. Classic bluff catcher. So I start thinking if he's got bluffs here. And I think the answer is probably fairly clearly yes. He could definitely have two spades that flopped a flush draw. And when everybody else showed weakness on the flop, he decided to go for it on the turn and he knew I was capped. So he attacked on the river. Certainly possible. He could also have some hands like maybe 5X that just has like a gutter or something like that on the on the turn and, and bricked out on the river. But then there's also quite a few value hands he can have, right? He can have a lot of two pair combos because he's calling really wide in the straddle. Because my raise open was only to 50 and then there were three other callers, you know, he's getting like, what, seven to one, eight to one on a call. 
So I think he is completing a ton of hands in the straddle. He could certainly even have a hand like 3-5 that, that turned a wheel straight. A hand like 5-6 that turned an open ender on a seven deuce and then a four, maybe as five, six, and he had an open ender and bet it. And the eight made that open ender entirely possible. The other two pair combinations, not quite as likely. Like I block his ace X two pairs, even though he can certainly have some of those, but I don't think he necessarily leads the turn with one pair and then makes two pair. Yeah. I don't think he's betting out into the field with less than top pair kind of for value slash protection. So this is a pretty tough spot and it's about a two thirds pot bet. Like I said, so it means I need to win. I don't know what it's like 30% of the time, something like that. And I decide this guy probably does have enough missed flush draws because he's completing in the straddle with so many suited hands. He's going to be completing with a lot of flush draws that ended up breaking out. So I decide to make the call and he shows me 10, five of clubs, complete air he had a five in his hand, so he turned a gutter ball, uh, but he was really attacking kind of the weakness that everybody showed throughout the hand, and I take down the pot. Now, I think this was a pretty close call. I don't think it's like smashing EV over the long term, but I do think that there were enough missed hands here, and the pot was laying me a good enough price to where calling here is correct, and I did, and I won the pot, allow myself to congratulate myself. And I think that's a, a cool thing that sometimes tends to happen when you do flop top pair and then you kind of play it slow. You're not like trapping. You're not like slow playing. You're just giving an appropriate amount of aggression to your hand, which is actually none. And you're taking a hand that a lot of players bet and just putting it into a checking range to have some strength when you check back, which people don't often anticipate that you'll do. Here, my opponent didn't really anticipate that I would. I did end up having top pair, and I owned a good player. It feels good. So it is small recompense for the punt I had earlier in hand two. Didn't play hand one too hot either, but in the end, these are the type of aspects that I try to consider when I'm making river calls. I certainly don't always get them right, uh, as evidenced by multiple hands in this podcast. And I will say that you know one of my leaks as a player, I think, is that I call on River kind of too often. And sometimes it's justifiable in the name of game theory, like, oh, I only have to be good here X amount of the time, or oh, I'm too high up in my range. But I think the reality is, especially in live poker, people are so imbalanced. Like there's some players who will never bluff River, i.e. the the you know super knit from hand one. And even the guy from hand two, I mean the guy, you know, certainly I'm sure he's capable of bluffing, but like Jesus, this guy's played solid for like multiple hours in a session. And then I decide to call his double over bets with like third pair. I mean, come on, like, A, I'm really stupid. But then B, it's like this guy's not bluffing. And if he is, he's not doing it at a high enough frequency that really justifies calling. Whereas in hand three, there were enough missed draws and his range is wide enough. And I'd played my hand kind of underrepped enough to where a call was justified and it ended up being right. So again, these are the types of things I think about on rivers and uh, I hope it was valuable for you guys. I hope you guys liked it. Thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate y'all until next week, my friends play good and run pure. <laughs>